The Aggies, the Jazz, the high schools. If it's the sport you care about, we're talking about it. The Full Court Press on Sports Talk Radio, 106.9 FM, 1390 AM. The Fan. Hello. Good afternoon. Eric Franson, I.J. Salveson. What's going on, everybody? How I've, are you, I.J.? I've spent forever here today. I've been here. My hours are going skyrocket up right now. Yeah, we gotta uh, we got to slow that down. Oh, no. You know, for all the great things I've done today, all right, that's, that's, that's what you're giving me? That's right. You were my Uber you this me. morning. You were my okay. driver. Yep. I chauffeured you. To the uh, to your destination of choice, we had a great conversation with an individual, which you'll hear later on tonight. That was a lot of fun. That was really fun, actually. I can't believe he actually let us get away with the title, though. The <laughs> fact that he agreed with it, he was having some made fun me with it. Really sad. He was having some fun with it. And you asked him, you asked him a really tough question. I'm glad you did, but he was totally cool with it. I wanted to know. Like, cause I mean, it 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 in it brought up just his honesty of what he still felt about you know the university and and the appreciation he still has for it. Um, it's a great conversation. Can't wait for you guys to be able to hear uh, our two interviews tonight with above average Aggie basketball players coming up at during the five o'clock hour. Spencer Nielsen at five. Bernard Rock, the great Bernard Rock. Uh, will join us at 5.30, uh, and he'll talk uh, Aggie basketball from his great playing days. And then, of course, we get you ready for Utah State UNLV, running Rebels tonight. Ma- major, major, major big game tonight now in regards to standings. Like, the Aggies must sweep this weekend, or this week, I should say. Even just for surviving the standings alone, they need to. Some surprising games in the Mountain West last night that uh, Boise State had to use a rally late to beat Wyoming yep. of all teams. So, yeah, we'll, we'll get through man, a lot to get through today. And so stay tuned. Time. we got uh, USU versus UNLV. We'll break that down. We'll hear from Craig Smith. Yep. Today was the uh, the end of the early sign. Well, it's not the end, but it was the second phase, maybe that's yep. a better way to say it, of the National Letter of Intent signing day for college football. Utah State announcing more names. They announced quite a few names in December, even but this more was like names. a major ticket today was oh, for a lot of names, and one of the names on the list was a guy that there was a lot of schools fighting for, and they somehow came out on top. So there's high school players, there's junior college players, there's guys coming back from missions, there's graduate transfers. There's a lot that's there. Uh, Gary Anderson held a press conference earlier today. We'll hear from him his thoughts about this 2020 recruiting class. There's a new offensive staff member for Utah State. Yeah, that came out today. Kind of surprising. I'm really excited for this. Yeah, he's going to be good. He's so, going to be a gem. So we'll introduce you to who that is. Uh, Utah Jazz, they're in action tonight against the Denver Nuggets. They've had some time off to kind of regroup and try to find themselves again. I think defensively is where they needed to focus the most this week. Tonight we'll find out if they did or not. And then on the opposite end, the Denver Nuggets just came away from a major, major trade where they had three players go. They're shorthanded on the second end of a back-to-back. And they already have a bunch of injuries, too. Yep. And then, by the way, don't forget, just, and I don't mean this as a side note, but there is Regional 11 basketball as well. <laughs> oh, yes, there is that. By the way, how do you think the attendance will be affected 
by Utah State UNLV. I mean, it's an eight o'clock game. High school games were at seven. Those high school games might not see a lot of people there. Out of respect to them, you know, it could be interesting. It's, it's a big one at Utah State. Could be. Uh, you know, UNLV is they're six and four on the season right now, um, and uh, they are ahead of Utah State in the standings. Utah State's really right in the middle of the pack. Yeah. Granted, there's a big chunk of teams that are only a game and a game and a half that separates them. But that's, like you said, that's why this stretch is so important for Utah State to rise above that and to separate themselves. Because there's a whole lot of, in the middle of, of muck of where the Mountain West is right now. And Utah State needs to stay above that fray. And uh, it starts today, it starts tonight against UNLV. So our sister station, KVNU, they'll be doing a, their pregame coverage starting at 7. And that because of that, that affects the high school games because Skyview and Logan played tonight. Oh, Normally you would hear that game on two different stations, on KVNU and here on the fan. But because of the Aggie coverage tonight, the only place to hear Logan versus Skyview will be here on the fan. So we don't hear the Jazz game at all on this station? Then, no, it's right? going to preempt the Jazz game tonight. Okay, just want to make sure. Uh, they provide some updates through the evening during their uh, yeah. They do a great job during of that the broadcast. Too. Yeah, I won't be pro. Uh, so we'll have Skyview basketball here over on KVNU. They'll be doing the pregame coverage at seven. It's a full hour pregame because they do a full hour pregame, like it should be done. And then the game will be on started at eight. And if you can't make it up to the spectrum, you can watch it on CBS Sports Network. And then as soon as it's all over, uh, Al Lewis, Jalen Moore, John Russell, they'll break it down on KVNU and take your calls. So uh, this is <laughs> this is a revenge game for Utah State. It was the the game at against Air Force. Utah State just really seemed out of sorts. They had the first half pretty much in control, and then Air Force kind of got on a run, and then Utah State could never really stop it. They were making shots they don't normally make. They had a crowd there they don't normally have. Things were working against Utah State in, when they were at Air Force. But when they were at UNLV, it just... Utah State just couldn't make shots, shots they normally make. They were just in a funk. And I, I think that UNLV was playing really good basketball at that time coming into that game, but I felt like it was more about Utah State just not having it more than anything. And uh, you'd think that Utah State's going to have a big chip on their shoulder tonight. They should, Eric. You got embarrassed by UNLV from the very get-go. In fact, Craig Smith had said it was the first time that he felt like in his career, or it's not his career, his time at Utah State, that they were flat out outcoached, outplayed for the whole entire forty minutes, uh, and and he was frustrated by that. He said uh, numerous times, actually off the record, that he was really upset after that UNLV loss. He was livid that his team came out that flat in that road environment where they just didn't respond in any way. That when things got worse, they got tighter. They didn't. Uh, he felt like the effort wasn't there later in the game because they were just done. Um, he expects a better effort tonight. He expects a different result tonight. He feels like his players will be ready to go in a big-time game at his house under their conditions. He likes their chances tonight, uh, and I honestly don't disagree with him. Yeah, this is a UNLV team that's uh, had some ups and downs uh, earlier in the year. When they got into conference play, they were really surprising how well they were doing. Uh, they, they they beat the Aggies. They beat Air Force. Uh, they beat a couple other teams. Uh, they did lose to Boise State. It was a close game, but now they're in the middle of a three game losing streak. Yeah. So UNLV is kind of 
hit their where they were, and then they're they're on a slide right now. Do you so have you know they're going to be anxious to try to break their their who losing they lost to. Do you have that by chance, really? So in conference play, their losses are against. Now where did that go? Um, so their losses are against aren't they to Boise State, Nevada, San Diego State, and Colorado State. And see, Colorado State's on just like a whole different like uh, planet right now in regards of the way they're playing. That that team is playing elite level basketball, and they terrify me. That Yaggies have to go to Fort Collins to face them. Scared to death about that. And uh, Colorado State blew them up, ninety five to seventy seven. So it really depends to see what kind of UNLV we get tonight. Is it a desperate UNLV basketball team where they know they're on the road, play at all costs, leave all everything on the floor, and see what comes away? Or do they continue to feel sorry for themselves, woe is me, and uh, and come out flat and Utah State takes care of business? Either way, Utah State needs a big win tonight. A blowout win would give them major confidence going into the weekend. I know it's Boise State, and you're saying, hey, look, we were up by 18 and we blew it. Sure, but you're still up by 18 and you let a bench guy come in and score 18 points in the final four and a half minutes. So do you, and you need these two wins going into Tuesday night to Fort Collins really badly to give you some momentum of confidence that you can actually go out there and beat a quality team like UNLV to know that you can go and try to at least compete with a very, I guess, a much better basketball team in Colorado State. Uh, so Craig Smith was, uh, uh, had his presser the other day and, uh, Gave his thoughts on UNLV, what makes him dangerous. He looks back to the uh, their previous matchup, what went wrong, and what he tries to fix. Here's Coach Craig Smith. Well, we've got a great opportunity tonight against a, a, a good UNLV team, um, a team that really manhandled us at their place um, uh, to start 2020 um, out. And they, they just they outdid us in every, in every way, shape, and form. And they're a very physical, very, very athletic team one of the most athletic teams in the league, if not the the most athletic. So um, they pose a lot of uh, problems. One of the best rebounding teams in the country. They get 40% of their missed shots, um, which is just an outstanding number, um, especially at this time of year. It's That's pretty incredible. So um, they create a lot of problems. They play with very good pace on the offensive end, and they play a lot of different guys. So you just got to be ready for a lot of different personnel that way. And, um um, so it'll be a great opportunity. It'll be good to be back home, um, coming off a, a difficult game or a, a game I thought we played pretty well, but obviously not the result that we wanted. So I know our guys are looking forward to getting back on the floor. You're in a stretch here. I mean, I know it's one game at a time, but this next stretch of games is a very important game uh, stretch for yeah. you guys to hang towards the top part of the league to have a chance at a better seed. Yeah, all. there's not much that separates two through seven or eight. And so um, it's a fine, you know, it's a fine line, and and uh, and certainly you got to take care of business at home, especially when you when you start looking around the league. Um, most teams that you know, it seems like teams are winning at home and struggling on the road well, as the only, a whole. Yeah, the only team that's broken through is San Diego State against all of your right. guys. And Nobody else has broken through on everybody. Yeah, <laughs> um, that's so yeah, so it is. No, it's a it's a it's a it's a big week for the Aggies, no doubt. Um, and it's that time. There's seven games left in the. In the season, so there's 25 percent of your regular season is left, not even 25 percent, and so teams got to start. I think you're going to see some teams really trending upward, and some start. This is the time of year teams start trending upward or kind of downward a little bit, and so we got to right the ship and get back on track. It's been a, it's kind of an interesting schedule. Sometimes you play a team within a couple of weeks, 
you know, you haven't played for a while. What's it been, has it been, you've had an extra day to get ready for? Has that been good? Well, we had, you know, we're, it's going to be the first of three games in six and seven days. That's true, too. Yeah. So we've had two, you know, we took off Sunday. Um, it's probably helped the coaches maybe more than anything. Uh, but, um, but yeah, like we haven't played them for a month, so now you kind of reintroduce. It seems like a long time ago since we played them. So then you throw in the the tape again, or the you know the video again, and and you're watching our team, and it's like, wow, that was a different team. You know, Nimi didn't play that game, and and there was a, a few other things going on at that point. Um, so um, so we are a different team, and I feel like we're playing a lot different than we did you know, a month ago. So it'll be a different challenge. And quite frankly, they're doing some things differently as well. Um, they got the Texas grad transfer um, back that played very well early in the year. Uh, the Mutro Long, who's, uh, you know, came from Texas. So he brings them a different element. And now uh, number 10, who did play against us, Jonah Antonio, but now he's more in a rhythm and he's more comfortable now. And so um, they're playing some different guys too. So I think in a lot of ways it's, Two different teams than they than we were a month ago. Individually, um, what's his name? Hamilton may well, be the most explosive guy in the league. Individually, Hamilton's playing at a, an elite level right now. Uh, he, I mean, what last game out? I think he had twenty eight. The game before that against San Diego State, he has twenty nine. And I don't care who you are, if you're having twenty nine against San Diego State, you're doing something very, very well. And he's a he's a uh, he's a very good player and. He just he does everything. He can score it at every level. You know, he's six four, two hundred. Like he's a strong, sturdy guy that's very, very long. And he's shooting the three. At a, he's a lefty. He's a little bit unorthodox, but he's so he's quick twitch and just super aggressive. So he's making threes right now consistently. He's got a, a very good pull up game, and he just attacks. And he's a guy that gets. You know, he shoots it, and he knows if he misses or not when it leaves its hands. And he just has this innate ability, kind of like Justin Bean, where when he misses, he knows where that miss is going to go. And and you'll see it tomorrow. When he misses, he gets his offensive rebound a lot of the time. I think he's averaging over two offensive boards a night. So um, he's really playing at a very, very high level for them. You're, um, the, as I was looking back at things, consistency offensively, you've had – good halves you don't have a good half you have the stretches it's really been from the start of the year in a lot of ways coach you have not been very consistent offensively yeah tell me about it yeah. um yeah i think there's a lot of things that goes into that i thought we were i thought the last um six games we've been much more consistent as a whole but certainly there is still some stretches there um you know in in san diego state will do this to a lot of teams you know and they're number four in the country in defensive field goal percentage but um um, we had that run there kind of late in the, in the second end of the game, quite frankly, where a lot of the um, the ball should have been in a couple other guys' hands to make some more plays um, than it was. And so um, we got to know where our bread is buttered, and I got to do a better job with that in roll definition, you know, type of thing. And, and so, you know, basketball is not always an equal opportunity game. You know, not everybody can be the quarterback, as they say. And so we got to do a better job of, of not having um, those empty possessions. Mm-hmm. And then you get, we were wondering when Brock had come on. He's come on the last couple of games, and now <laughs> then there's other people that have, have struggled shooting the ball too and stuff. Yeah, yeah. I mean, the second half of Wyoming, I thought he played really well. And, of course, it always, um, you know, when you make three threes, that certainly, you know, makes a big difference. And then, you know, he, he got going a little bit against San Diego State. 
Um, so we need that. We need, it can't just be a two-man show. You know what I mean? We need other guys. Like I said, I mean, we're over 75. It's almost 80% done with the season. Like, so we got to have some consistency out of, this, out of our team. And, and we're searching, you know, what doing this well. What, how do we get this done? How can we get this guy going? How do we get, but, but at some point you got to make plays too, you know? And so that's why I felt like we were really gaining a lot of steam. And I, at the end of the day, we still, that first half, I thought we were really good, you know, against San Diego State. But almost, I mean, seven out of ten from three, uh, we're not even averaging seven threes a game, you know. So that was a shot in the arm, and that's why we were up by eight at halftime. So there's a balance there. Certainly, we got to keep getting the ball to Nimi. You know, um, you, you can look at certain games where he's just taken over, and I thought he was very good against San Diego State as well, but he didn't touch the ball enough, you know, the last ten minutes of the game. And, and then Merrill only got two shot attempts the last 10 minutes of the game, so or last 11 minutes of the game. And uh, we just got to be better than that. Mm-hmm. Is the, and going back to the first Vegas game, they played really well that night. Oh, they were phenomenal. They were on it. You could tell they, they were in a run where they really wanted to get some things done and all. And was did you guys play as bad as it looked in that game, do you think? Well, first of all, UNLV did play great. I thought it was – I've watched – not quite every game, but pretty much. I mean, for the most part, and I thought they played excellent, and and um, they were their aggressor all night without a question. They were the first to every loose ball. Um, it was very clear they were extremely determined to win that game, and much more so determined than us. I felt like, and so we did some things well, but there was a lot of stuff we did not execute well. And then they made that big run, you know, and that and the, they kind of got a lead. We fought back. And then the second half, they made a run. And, you know, it's kind of the first time it, probably since I've been here where it just felt like we just didn't have another run in us. You just kept waiting for one, and it just it wasn't happening. You know, it was one of those nights. And so I think we were one for our first 18 from the three that night. So that, generally speaking, sometimes you have bad shooting nights, but then sometimes you have bad shooting nights because you're taking bad shots and because they do a good job. And I think it was a combination of all of that. But certainly, to their credit, uh, I thought it was one of their uh, best games. Yeah. All right, so that's Craig Smith's comments uh, in his, about uh, UNLV matchup tonight, 8 o'clock in the Spectrum. And uh, this is a team that, like we said, is uh, UNLV played really um, – they, they played good basketball when they played against Utah State. They wanted it, um, and Utah State just had a – a funk about them. They just couldn't make shots, just couldn't get a run going, couldn't get consistency from just about anybody. And UNLV fed off of that, took advantage of it. Now, since then, uh, they've lost three straight. Now, one of those was a very, very competitive to-the-wire game against San Diego State, where they only lost by four. But this is uh, this, in the other games that they've lost, they've lost by double digits in both of them here recently. Yeah, that's a problem right there in itself. Uh, you know, and I know there's cause for concern based on the fact that they, uh, uh, that the Aggies are gonna, you know, face a, a pretty hot offense for the most part. Defensively, they've been very suspect, but offensively, they've been pretty good. So I know there's there's concern for that in that regard. Can the Aggies keep up with the Rebels? But I think the Aggies' defense is much better than what they've faced so far, with the exception of San Diego State. And I think the Aggies can take care of business tonight. It is a Spectrum Magic Night. Oh, yeah. You've seen the Spectrum yet on the yeah, uh, Twitteros? Yeah, the shirts are handed out. Pretty pretty awesome. I need to get me one of those. 
but um, you know, this is a UNLV has three. Really, they're kind of a three-headed monster, as uh, Coach uh, Smith talked about: Bryce Hamilton, uh, Amari Hardy, Elijah Mutro Long, uh, just attacking you from different places on the court. So. Uh, Utah State has to be on point tonight. They are favored. The Vegas line has them favored by 11. I like it. I'll take it. I'm honest. I'm honestly a little more nervous. I think I would take the under in that. Really? They're covering. I think they cover with ease. I'll put Skittles on it. <laughs> I don't know. I, only, I'm just concerned about how they faced them last time. Sure. Yeah. Well, look, that was last time I was on the road. I remember, it was different. As Coach Smith mentioned, no Nimi, right? Sam was not healthy, not even close. And then Justin Bean high sprained his ankle, especially in the early second half. So there, I mean, everything went to crap that night. Um, let's let's do it again with a healthy basketball team. Let's see what happens this time around. All right. Uh, so anyway, that's coming up. Reminder: If you want to tune in to the pregame, uh, the lead up to that game tonight. Tune into our sister station, KVNU, 610 AM, 102.1 FM. Starting at 7 o'clock, the full one-hour pregame. And then if you can't make it to the game, you can watch watch it on CBS Sports Network. All right, coming up next here on the Full Court Press, Wednesday tradition, Full Court Press movie quiz. I think I'm going to get you on this one. I don't know that you'll you be able to You probably will, because we're starting to run out of ideas at this point. So, oh, yeah, no. there, there's a good oh, chance. Oh, no. There are, there are so many sports movies out there. We, I don't think we've even scratched the surface. Okay, I'm not going to take all the rated R ones for you, okay? <laughs> Gabby, the intern, felt really bad when I was you know trying to cut up some audio from the last rated R movie that I took. You could tell she was like, what in the world is going on? <laughs> so that's coming up. We'll also hear from Gary Anderson. Uh, USU football signing day today. We'll hear what he had to say and uh, who is coming to play for the Aggies in the future. Coming up next hour, interviews with Spencer Nelson and Bernard Rock. You oh, don't want to miss those. That'll be a lot of fun. That's coming up next hour right here on the Full Court Press. It's the Full Court Press. Weekday afternoons from 4 to 6 on Sports Talk Radio, 106.9 FM, 1390 AM. The Fan. Hey, Ajay, the NBA trade deadline is tomorrow. This is a very nerve-wracking time for a lot of human beings that are very rich and just don't know where they're going to get in their next mansion. Okay, that's really mean to say. I mean, it is a vulnerable time. I mean, I, I saw a tweet that of uh, the Malik kid from Denver who, when he finally got traded, he walked into the – he was, like, walking out of the media room or into a media room or whatever, and there was Denver reporters there, and they were getting ready for the presser. And he walked in there and he thanked every single one of them and told them how much he appreciated them and then walked out. So there's that, that, there's that human side element. But yeah, we're, we're there now, uh, Houston, with uh, moving Clint Capella to the Hawks. Thank you, Houston. I appreciate you guys being so dumb, making such a horrific move. Now they're out there trying to find a center. <laughs> Four teams, 12 players That's dealt the, last is night. Is that the biggest, pa- what was it, the biggest package ever in NBA history? It was insane. Yeah. Uh, Minnesota Timberwolves, Houston Rockets, Atlanta Hawks, and Denver Nuggets all involved. And, of course, the Jazz are facing the Nuggets tonight. But uh, we'll, we'll get into a little bit more about that. There's 
Not, I mean, Clint Capella is the biggest name. Let's say we're that. not close to being done. Thank you, Kyle Kuzma. Maybe Danny Green. Maybe D'Angelo Russell. Andre Iguodala. Andre Iguodala. Boy, that's a crap show right now in Memphis, man. Can we just all get along? Not in Memphis. Minnesota. Is no. a mess. Oh, well, yeah, he is in Memphis. Yeah, because he's in Memphis right now. You're, about Iguodala, you're, you're yeah. right. Minnesota's even worse right now. Minnesota. He's in bad shape. I feel bad for those guys. They just can't get out of their own way. No, they they looked like they were going to be a decent young yeah. core of players, and they've just been falling. They've totally fallen apart. The last and then two Al months. Horford comes out today in the Philadelphia locker room and says, "Yeah, there's issues going on right now, but it's internal. So why wouldn't you just keep your mouth shut and not say that?" I don't know. That's just me, though. What do I know? Where's this PR guy when you need it? His agent's got to be freaking sweating bullets too right now. Uh, Eric, it is that time, that special, oh, I forgot to tell Adam to, uh, to YouTube the, uh, our special movie intro music. <laughs> That's okay. Uh, Jay, I'm sure you can just sing along with it. Yeah, you can imitate it. Oh, okay, yeah, sure, I fine. mean, you usually do anyways, so. I do it because you're not prepared, and so I have to do it. See, Adam, the intern over here is smart enough, I, do I mean. The, I can do, like, the drum intro. Okay. Dum, dum. Yeah, I like, dum, dum. I, I like this idea better. Dum, dum. Okay, maybe that was a bad idea. Oh, maybe. Welcome to your future presentation starring Eric Franson. Okay, so this this is uh Here we go. You are you ready? I'm ready. I don't going to say any anything more. I don't want to give anything away. Give it to me. Strike one. You okay, Sam? Oh, it's okay, Roy. It's just it's this darn glove. Max, how the heck are you going to call it from way back there? He looks wild to me. Give your knees a shaking, Max. Mind your own business, Red Nose, and play ball. All right. Throw it in here, Greenhorn. <laughs> what? Did you make this up? Do it again, Roy. Come on, boy. Do it again. You've made this up. Strike two. I bet he's throwing spitballs. Pig's poop. This ball is as dry as your granddaddy's scalp. You better not be trying any funny business out there, rum pot. Watch your mouth, mister. Forget that. This one's hit, Whammer. This is it. Don't let me down. Just one more, boy. Come on, boy. One more. Punch him out. Dramatic music. Strike three. Okay, that's an old movie just by the language that's being used in there. Um... Adam, the intern, you got any ideas? I have no clue. I thought I did when he started, but then I was like, no, that's not anywhere close. Okay. This is a great scene. My first guess is the natural. It might be Airbud. I don't know. No, there's no way. No, you don't think so? No, No, it can't be Airbud. Airbud didn't have a baseball movie, did he? Yeah, he did. He had like three. He had a baseball movie? Yeah. I thought he was mostly a basketball dog. I thought yeah, it was too. That dog could do anything. That's a great dog. Right there. <laughs> the dog can do anything. Okay, okay. Is it the natural? Let's play the clip, and then you give you. An, I'll give you a chance for another guess. If you want to stand by that guess, or give it another one. So here we go. We'll play the clip. This is from a classic sports movie. Oh, oh, oh. 
Strike one. Wait a minute. You okay, Sam? It's all right, Roy. This damn glove. Max, how the hell are you going to call him from way back there? He looks wild to me. Then you need a hair shaking, Max. Mind your business, red nose, and play ball. Right, throw it in here, Greenhorn. All right, do it again, Roy. Come on, boy. Do it again. Strike two. Much of throwing spitballs. That pig's poop. That ball's as dry as a granddaddy's scalp. Well, you better not be trying any funny business out there, rump pot. You watch your mouth, mister. Forget it. Okay, this one's it, Lammer. This is it. Don't let me down. Don't let up. One more, boy. Let's go. Come on, Roy. High five, baby. Watch him out now. Okay, AJ. Now you've heard my interpretation. You've heard the clip. What classic sports movie was that? I got nothing for you, man. Uh, dude. I'm <laughs> screwed, man. I have no idea. Uh... What was that angel baseball movie? It's not Angels in the Outfield. Yeah, it's not yeah the there's no way. I recognize movie. that one in a heartbeat. Um. Dude, I is there anybody on Google Voice, by the way? Oh, I should have pulled that up. Throw it in there. See if uh, anybody. Uh, if anybody's sending you a yeah, lifeline. Yeah, before we, before we, I, before I try and get this, I just want to make sure nobody else has said anything. Nope. Okay. I'm looking at mock drafts for the oh. NBA. Oh, that's great. Uh, I'm going to go with the natural, but I, I don't I have no idea. Well, you would be correct. It is the natural. Nuh-uh. Robert Redford. Dude, he was that the, was this was early in the movie and this scene here. Now he was this great pitcher and he happened to be on the same train as this the, the best batter, the guy who's they don't officially call him Babe Ruth, but he's basically Babe Ruth. And apparently he's the best pitcher versus the best batter and everybody says, "Okay, let's go do a duel. Who's the best?" There's this huge crowd, the train stops, it's a big scene. It's just out in the middle of a field. And uh, Robert Redford, Redford strikes him out. And there's some kooky lady who wanted to bring down, take down the best. And she ends up shooting Robert Redford. But uh, anyway, great, great movie. And perhaps one of the biggest things that, that that movie gave us was a tremendous soundtrack. Great soundtrack. Great ending. Uh, but I, I particularly enjoyed that scene. 
It just kind of illustrated. I mean, beautifully shot movie. But yeah, The Natural. It's a great baseball movie. It's a classic. Quick question. Is that something I could watch? Because the last few movies have been something that I don't think I'd enjoy watching. Oh, uh, just because you're freaking going to BYU. <laughs> you're yes. not going to BYU right now. You're good. Yes, you could watch this movie. All right. I'm just wondering, I'm just wondering for our younger listeners out there. Oh, <clears throat> the priority. Fact, I guess, when did The Natural come out? That was early it. 80s? 1984. Oh, then of course it's good. Yeah, Kim Basinger was in it. That's right. Oh, really? Yeah. Oh, she was a babe. Yeah. Yeah, it's PG. Two hours runtime. Good for you. There you go. Adding the intern. You happy? Definitely Thanks, good. Thanks, guys. Oh, it's a good show. Yeah, we, we're looking out for you. Yeah, Robert Duvall was in it. Wilford Brimley was his uh, manager, bench coach. Yeah, it's a good cast. Good movie. Anyway, that's our full court press movie quiz for Wednesday. And you go with your instincts, Ajay. You got it right. It yeah, I, I, dude, that was the only baseball movie that all I could think of. Remember I he had, had a bat that he carved out of a tree, and like it was his bat that he always used. Is that the one where he slugs a home run and hits like the light pole or something up, like a light bulb at the top yeah, of the not stadium? Yeah, not just out of the park. He hits it right into the uh, the lights, and they spark and going crazy. Steroids is a heck of a drug, kids. <laughs> All right, we're going to take a break. Coming back, you're going to hear from Coach Gary Anderson. There's a lot to get to here, but he actually recaps the whole entire national signing debt period in his opening statement. We'll talk about what we mean here. It's all coming up on the Full Court Press, 106 on FM, 1390 AM, The Fan. It doesn't matter who you root for. The Full Court Press has all the high school sports covered. The Full Court Press. Connect with us on Facebook, Twitter, and online at 1069thefan.com. Welcome back to the Full Court Press. What are we listening to? Yeah, what is this? Red Hot Chili Peppers Go Robot. Oh, yeah. Dude, I love Red Hot. That's right. Yeah, dude. Yeah, they're good. Good choice. Uh, Eric, National Signing Day took place. Uh, The official announcements came out. Aggies did extremely well. Hey, good news. All, how many... Division one football teams are there, or FBS teams? 120? 120 now. 120? Today, every college football team, those 120 teams, they all got everybody they wanted. <laughs> they're all super excited for the future, and they're all got goals to be conference champions. And they all got the best class in their school history. Yep. <laughs> Go anywhere and you'll hear the same thing. Yep, absolutely. Uh, Gary Anderson. Uh, the- well, I guess if you're... Unless you're an independent, you have no hope for a conference championship. Hi, BYU. How are you? Oh, sorry, Adam. The intern, is this a sensitive subject for you right now? It's fine. I'm still not bitter about it. <laughs> Shouldn't hey, be. No, there's an agreement, guys. We could get into Power 5. ESPN <laughs> might let us do it. You know, I heard the SEC is definitely thinking about you guys over oh, there yeah. bringing you in. Oh, yeah. Yeah. Big skies. Quality contender right there. Thanks, Tom Holmo. Uh, no, a lot of different players added between what happened in December and what just happened today. So, total of 24 players. That's a that's a big recruiting class, Ajay. Yeah, it is. And it's a big mix. You got high school, you got junior college, you got grad transfers, uh, you got guys that were on missions that are now coming back. Twelve on defense, six on offense, four specialists, and two athletes. It's amazing, man. I, I can't remember a, a year of, of Sunday class that have that many specialists in yeah. one class. Yeah, and then he'll actually talk about it here in just a little bit. That was kind of the focus. What's the specialist? You want to be one of the best players? They want the best players on the special teams uh, or a specialist in, the, in that regard. Um, and another thing that kind of 
stood out to me is the amount of JUCOs that he went after as well. Um, there's a couple of signees that he looked at that he was thrilled about. One of them is a Gentry kid, the running back, who was a very hot commodity around the country. They were able to snatch him, and that was, and I think he talked about in his opening statement, that was a dogfight to get him, like, to the very last minute, just to make sure they retained him. Uh, they did a great, he, he gives credit to his coaching staff and those who were involved in making sure they, that they were able to lock him down. Uh, we got a local kid, of course, Justice, Justice Enna from Smithfield. Uh, if you know the last name, then you know the, uh, you know the staff pretty well, too. Uh, four year transfers, uh, they get, steal one from UCLA. That was a big one, too. And that one was... from Boise State. Yeah, the the deck uh, Declo kid, Declado kid, Keegan who, Duncan. He was injured before, and he comes back now, and uh, they think he'll have a major impact uh, on the program. Uh, they're excited about what he brings and and his skill. So really, in total, when you look at the states that they went through, they got eight from Utah, six from Cali, three from Texas, one from Arizona, Florida, Idaho, Nevada, Oregon, Virginia, and Australia. You can guess where that position is in Australia is that they look for. <laughs> uh, and what's interesting, the the one from Virginia. Familiar last name. Yeah, absolutely. There's uh, an odd duck, Bronco Mendenhall, we also always used to make fun of. Now we got his kid on our team. He was intense, though, as a, yeah. as a player. And when he was a coordinator, he was very intense. Yeah. And I thought very bright. Um, so, he, like, he has an f- interesting name. His kids have interesting names. Breaker Mendenhall. And he's a defensive player coming to Utah State so by he- way of Virginia. So here is Coach Anderson's opening statement. We're going to have to probably cut into it just a little bit due to time constraint. But we also, he does a great job of announce, giving you a couple announcements on a new offensive coordinator. Or not offensive coordinator, sorry. Wow. A new running backs coach. Who uh, was, who an part of the, coordinator was an offensive coordinator at, at a previous school. He'll, he'll explain that. He also talks about the recruits, what he's excited about, uh, and uh, some areas that he's still looking at. Here is Coach Gary Anderson on National Signing Day. Appreciate you guys being here, and uh, it's obviously it's a big day. We're going to talk about both signing classes, but first of all, I want to talk about the the addition of a new coach, uh, Coach Schramm, Dave Schramm, um, comes to us from Weber State, was the offensive coordinator there with Jay, and uh, obviously on some tremendous teams. Uh, it's great to have Dave here finally and, and get it done. He's I've been with Dave for a number of years throughout my career, and just exactly what. Uh, Utah State's all about. He cares about the kids first. He's been doing this for a long time, has an unbelievable amount of knowledge from being a coordinator for a number of years at Utah, Fresno State, uh, when they had the great run with Carr, um, you know, done what they've done at Weber State for a number of years. He's just been doing this uh, at a very high level. So excited to have him. Um, toughness, grit, tremendous teacher on the field, tremendous teacher off the field, uh, coaches the game of football because he uh, – he wants to, not because he has to. I think that's very important. He wants to be here in this area. He has a boy that plays football at Boise and has another boy. They're both twins. Uh, they're both twins. They're twins. And uh, the other one is uh, playing baseball at University of Utah. So the ties around here are very important. Um, it's a tremendous family, and it's a tremendous addition to uh, our Aggie family. So um, welcome, Dave, and we're excited to get him going. He'll be coaching the running backs, and that will be his job, and he'll also be involved and the special team side. So it uh, should be a great addition to that offensive staff. And uh, we'll talk a little bit more about the staff in a minute. A couple things on the current team I just I can't go without mentioning. And, yes, I do have to put my glasses on to see some of these. So uh, that's just where we are in life. So away we go. Uh, best GPA ever last fall um, for a Utah State football team. I know it's been mentioned before, but it needs to be mentioned a lot. It was a great accomplishment. 
with the group of kids uh, during the football season to be able to get that done. I thought that was uh, fantastic. Great work by the academic people. Wonga and his crew on Slade were fantastic with helping our kids. Our coaches were a big part of that. But the most important thing is our kids took great pride in that. Uh, it means a ton to me uh, for them to be able to reach a goal like that. Our grad transfer uh, GPA, which is really, really important. You know, a lot of places, a lot of things, situations, a lot is always there. A lot of talk is always about the grad. Uh, grad transfer kids just coming in to play football. They don't care about the school that they're at. They don't really care about the grad, the uh, graduate program that they're in. Uh, throughout the country, that's not the case with our kids. Uh, the grad transfer GPA was a 3.5, um, and that's fantastic. And that is uh, a huge sense of accomplishment for them. They should be very proud of it, and they've represented the school very well on the field and off the field. Uh, that's a very important part of this. Community service. Our kids are really busting their tails. It means a lot, and I just say that not to really pat ourselves on the back, but to please people reach out with community service opportunities for our kids because we are always anxious to, to get involved in the community as much as we possibly can. And then our Beyond Football program um, that Wonga works with, along with Zach Nyborg, is uh, continually growing. It's becoming much more powerful. Um, if people want to be involved in that from helping us reach out into the community to get internships, you'll have some ideas where our kids, again, can get out and, and touch within the community to help them grow as, as young men and to help us grow as a community, please reach out to us. So those are some important things that I, I had to talk about today a little bit. The current team working very hard. Um, they know they've got some competition coming their way. It's all about toughness right now and, and building teamwork and leadership and all those things that come with us. But I think we're in a good spot. We have a lot of goals in the weight room. Uh, to where we need to be to become a tough physical team in those slug out games that we're going to get, especially on our side that we play in. We're going to play very, very competitive to get to that championship game on our side. We all know you can't afford to stub your toe very many times during the season and have a chance to play for a championship. And uh, so our, our physicality, you know, we have to compete every day against that weight. Uh, we have to compete every day against each other in the indoor when we're given those opportunities. And I think they're answering the bell there, but uh, we put some big, big goals. On top of them, um, you know, 30 kids that squat 500 pounds and 30 kids that bench 225 uh, 20 times. Those are big goals. Can we get there? I don't know. I hope we sure can, but they're going to fight like crazy. So I'm, I'm proud of the way they're competing, and I'm also proud of the way they're competing, uh, you know, when they leave our facility at this point. But that needs to continue. It's an everyday process to keep educating. Um, this coaching staff, they're to be commended for this hard work. You know, we looked at having a smaller class than we, than we signed. Uh, but there was kids we just could not say no to. And we'll talk about those guys a little bit as we go through here. But that's because the coaches did a tremendous job. You know, Keegan and, and uh, Trevor and Trevor within the recruiting aspect of what they do, they did a great job of identifying and functionally moving us through the process. And the coaches did a great job of going out and uh, showing people who we are. We always talk about showing them Cache Valley, showing them Utah State. We don't have to sell anything here. We have to show them who we are, what we're about, what's expected. Um, and again, when we got parents on campus, our success rate was, was through the roof. So, uh, you know, thank you to all the professors, um, to everybody on campus from the places we go to eat and be involved in. So it takes us all to be able to get these kids to commit and come to us. So thank you to all the people that were involved in that, um, especially the coaching staff and the recruiting guys and the academic people who work so hard to uh, present our school the way that it is and not some facade um, of what we're pretending to be. Um, Stayed within our recruiting model. If you sit back and you look at it, there's eight kids, eight young men, eight uh, signees from the state of Utah, which is always big for us. Um, you know, there's ten missionaries. Six that are going to be going on missions and four that will be returning from missions. 
It's a big part of our program. There's a strong Polynesian presence within this class, which is really the three pillars of who we want to be and we always talk about, and that, that uh, is exactly what we expect and exactly how we like our uh, recruiting classes to uh, fit in, and that's the case here. And um, then we've got, uh, excuse me for looking down here, but when you break it down, you know, six players from California, three from, Te excuse me, six pla eight players from Utah, uh, six players from California, three from Texas, and uh, uh, one player from Arizona, Florida, Idaho, Nevada, Oregon, Virginia, and Australia. So it's a tremendous job of coaches reaching out throughout the country. And, you know, we recruit nationally as needed, but, you know, we're really going to stick hard within our areas and, and uh, make those pillars of our recruiting idea and our recruiting plan fit the pillars of our program. So that's uh, that's a big part of it. Moving on to the recruiting class. Uh, the biggest thing I'm going to say about this recruiting class, you know, there's 24 additions, um, 19 new faces, right? Uh, six of them are already in the program here with possibly one more that could join us a little bit later in the semester. Uh, so we'll have 12 or 13 new faces in summer conditioning. That's a low number, just like we thought it would be, uh, but that's a great number to have in there. And I will say about these kids is, you know, all 19 really of those kids, minus the kids that are going to go out on their mission, the six that are leaving on their mission, um, they're going to compete to play. I mean, I don't look at one of them and say, oh, that's a guaranteed developmental guy that has no chance to get on the field and play for us. There is going to be a lot of competition from these kids uh, for them to get on the field and compete and play, whether it's special teams, offense, or defense. You know, we wanted to recruit length. We got that done. We wanted to recruit speed. We got that done. We wanted to recruit football intelligence. I believe we got that done. And most importantly, we wanted to recruit kids that truly believe uh, and love the game of football. And that was those were high uh, bullet points for us as we went through this recruiting cycle. Uh, I believe we've met those. Time will tell. We'll see where it all goes from there. But again, this is a great group of kids that are highly competitive, and I think that's what's going to give them a chance to come in and compete. The specialists need to play. Um, they need to come in and expect to be Contribute, yes, work their way into a starting spot. They control that. We don't, but the specialist is a big part of this, and we sit in there and say, you know, Stephen, Ryan, and, and, and Jacob, what are they going to bring to the table? We need immediate help in that position. We lost some really good players there last year, and we need to create competition in that area. So excited about that. Also the running backs. Both of them, young men, both of those young men walking in here uh, and coming in competing at a high level at the running back position is something that we need. Um, and then again, I just say it one more time: is I really believe that those other high school signees will come in here and compete. That's on them to see you know, how hard they how hard they work and where they're going to fit into the pitcher. Uh, return missionaries, I love that crew. I love that crew. That crew, depending on when they come back and where they went, you know, and all the things that come with it. But that is. That's, it's a crew that if you look at them as a whole, they're long, they're athletic, they compete like crazy, uh, their film jumps off at you, you know, they love Utah State, they're excited to get back here. Frank Miley does a tremendous job of tracking those young men while they're on their mission. Uh, those guys, I believe, will all be four difference makers in our program as we grow forward. Is that going to happen this year? I don't know. Again, that's, uh, that's we'll see as they come in and they get back in uh, into shape and all the things that come with it but that's a tremendous crew and I think a lot of those kids I know they have the opportunity to help us this year we'll see um, I know they'll expect to help us but uh, it takes a while to get those mission legs off you right a little bit as we go through time and the junior college signees it's not their choice they have to help us um, if they don't help us then you know I failed the recruiting guys failed the recruiting coach failed and these young men failed they need to help us and um, that's why we recruited them and I expect them to be able to do that you know James is here okay obviously Xavion's here and then Justin will work his tail off to get himself here in the summer, which he will, and he'll be prepared to make a difference for us. So they need to 
uh, as we've talked about, be difference makers. And then the four-year transfers, you bring those kids in here. Keegan's a little different. Keegan is a young player, uh, but I expect Keegan to come in and compete for a starting job as he goes through the uh, not much in spring uh, with his little setback that he's had from an injury, but he'll be fine once we get into fall camp. I believe he'll compete. And, and Marcus Moore, he's played in the Pac-12. He's played at a high level, throwing his tape. Um, see what he's done. He's a very good football player, and, and he has the right attitude. And he, again, he fits us. It's so it's so important when you bring in those four-year transfers that, yes, there's a lot of great players that are four-year transfers. They all have a story and they all have a, a journey that they've gone through, but does that story and does that journey fit us? And I believe in this case with Marcus, it definitely fits us to uh, what his expectations are for him on and off the field, and we expect him to be a great player. All right, so there's Gary Anderson and some of his comments uh, about this uh, 2020 signing class. You can read more about it on cashvalleydaily.com. And coming up next, some additional thoughts about that. And then a preview of what's coming up next hour. You don't want to miss this. we got a big 5 o'clock hour for you, so stick around here on the Full Court Press. Northern Utah and Southern Idaho's home for sports. It's the Full Court Press on Sports Talk Radio, 106.9 FM, 1390 AM. The Fan. Eric Franson, and Ajay Salveson. You like that? A little I bit like of a uh, helper. Yeah, it's great. Gary Anderson, very excited about this recruiting class. It's a big one. Yeah, it, it is a big one, isn't it? And Definitely I, an emphasis on defense. Yeah, a big emphasis on defense. A, a couple other things, and you'll hear comments from him. We'll play him tomorrow as well. we got a bunch of quotes. Uh, but there's a couple other things that stood out to me. Um one of them is is the Polynesian line. He loves the Polynesian line. Uh, he's always been a big fan of that. And then he, later on, he actually did talk about recruiting in the state of Utah. That's something he's always held true to, is recruiting in the state of Utah, staying local, staying true to the roots that Utah State football has built, and it's worked. Yeah, five defensive backs, four defensive linemen. Looks pretty good. I'm Dan Patrick, and this is Above the Noise. For some baseball teams, seven straight trips to the postseason would be enough, but definitely not the Dodgers. This is a franchise that needs to win a World Series to validate their recent run of success. Yesterday, they made a move that they hope will put them over the top. The Dodgers picked up Mookie Betts and David Price from a Red Sox team that was so desperate to shed salary. L.A. already has an extremely talented team. Now it adds arguably one of the top three players in baseball. You could look at this a couple of ways. If you're a Dodgers fan, you have to be excited, but there's also a lot of pressure. They've been arguably the most talented team over the last couple of years. But that doesn't matter come October, when baseball becomes quite unpredictable. If they can't win with this lineup, then it might feel like they're never going to do it. I know it's February. It's time for optimism. Adding Mookie Betts and David Price, the Dodgers have to feel pretty good about their chances of winning a championship. I'm Dan Patrick, and this is Above the Noise.